You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have Alex Jarbo uh, here. He is a short-term rental developer and manager, born and raised in Detroit, and he served in the Marine Corps for many, many years. And, you know, he um, was able to find a passion in real estate, specifically in short-term rentals. And he's now the CEO and founder of Sargon Investments and has some pretty significant ambitions. He's primarily dealing with cabin rentals, which is what is a very interesting asset class. I'm excited to hear about. He's got a goal right now of developing uh, close to 700 cabins in the next few years. And he's got an MBA. And he's also got a YouTube channel called Alex Builds, where he kind of teaches the ins and outs of short-term development and management. So uh, if you're interested in Hearing what he has to say and learning more about short-term rentals, he would be a great person to connect with. And then obviously the YouTube channel, he's got endless amounts of hours of contents on there. And uh, he's been featured on some several podcasts uh, that are in the same space here. So primarily this is a multifamily show, but there's a lot of similarities and there's also a lot of differences between the two. So very excited to have Alex on the show. And yeah, how did you get started in the short-term rental business? Yeah, so I actually got started in the short-term rental business. Back when I started, say like six, seven years ago, there were maybe one or two books like written on the topic. Um, so I leaned really heavily on multifamily books, single-family books and multifamily books just to understand just the language of the business in general. Um, because a lot of the aspects of multifamily bleed into, sh- into short-term rentals, but real estate in general, it's mainly all pretty similar. Um, so that's, I leaned really heavily on multifamily stuff when I first started. Um, uh, that was about like a year before I got out of the military where I like sort of decided I didn't want to reenlist. And I just started reading up again on the multifamily books and just different type of real estate classes. Um, I landed originally on flipping, like just, I joined like a flipping mentorship, um, a program and the owner of that program. Um, I realized all of his long-term wealth, all of his long-term strategy stuff was actually put into short-term rentals. Um, so I, I got him on, I got him on a call and I asked him about different stuff and like where to invest, where are the best places to invest. And he had actually helped me decide on a market, which is where I currently live here in Asheville. Um, and literally, I think it was like my, my official last day of the military, I, I moved down uh, to Asheville where I currently live um, and just sort of just started just I, I got my real estate license and then from there I, I went on to do uh just get my first short-term rental. My my very first real estate investment was a new development, which is crazy to think about now. Like I don't think I would have done it that way, maybe, but I mean, just the equity we've built in that one property has been insane, that very first one. And so that's what leads that's what led you into building out Sargon investments. Yeah. So what what I did was um I, I just I looked at so many different properties at the time I, I had a, a, some money saved up. But any property that I looked at that was already built was either too expensive or it just it, it wouldn't have done well as a short term rental. Like it, it was just like a it would have done well as like a long term rental, like a single family house. But there was nothing like unique about it. 
um, where I like that, that's sort of been like the thesis of like my whole company is just, uh, investing in unique properties and scenic markets. Um, and the, I I like to invest, uh, build properties that are unique where like the property itself is an experience outside of the city that the people, the guests are visiting. Um, so yeah, that like one turned into two, like developing, I, I just couldn't find anything to, to purchase. So we just decided to build one turned into two. And then once, once I sort of what tapped out on my own finances, that's where I brought on partners, JVs and stuff. And then that, that led into some of the bigger stuff as well. Okay, great. So could you talk about, um, the cabins that you're developing right now? Like what, what is a cabin? How many square feet is it? What kind of amenities does it have? Are you buying the land and then aggregating cabins on there? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a good example of it would be, so I, I can I can do two cabins that we built all the way to like six or seven that we're building at the same time. So um, we purchased the, I like to purchase the land cash uh, with the investor capital. If I can, you just get more flexibility when you're doing it that way. So we're purchasing the land cash and then using that as collateral to qualify for the commercial loans, the commercial development loans that we're getting. Um I like to develop. So in my market, the mountain, it's a mountain market, um, very scenic log cabins do really well. A frames do really well. Um, I don't like doing, I personally don't like doing the tiny houses on wheels or stuff like that. The glamping, I know they, they are, can be cash cows if you do it right. But um, I like to focus on permanent foundation stick built houses. Um, so there's a built-in exit that way. If for some reason, short-term rental laws change or anything, I could sell them off as normal houses. Cause um, you had asked about square footage. It's any, it's, it, it's all over the place. Like we have, we have a, a log cabin that's 3,200 square foot. Um, and then our mm-hmm. smallest property right now that we're, that we're developing is 500 square foot. So it's like, it's, it's anywhere in between. I like to have a full kitchen at least, and then a full bathroom. Um, so that it, I build them out as normal houses. Like a, if a, a couple or a family can live in them, but there's like a uniqueness aspect to it, whether it be the design of the house or just the interior design of what, what it looks like on the inside. And is it similar to an apartment building development where you're hiring architects and other professionals to help you develop these? And yeah. in, in terms of what's your plan, in terms of the financing aspect, I would assume it's a lot, a little bit harder to finance than traditional type of developments. Are you developing these in cash or are you, are you using construction loans? How does that work? Yeah, we're using what, so you'll be surprised right now. Um, we use a hospitality lender. I wish that existed when I started six years ago. Um, local, local credit unions has always been a really good route to go with. Like they're, especially if you're in a short-term rental market or there's, I mean, I feel like there's short-term rentals everywhere now that um, these local credit unions are used to seeing these, like they, they like to call them nightly stay properties. Um, so they're, they're pretty open to financing stuff like that. Like we just got, a $994,000 loan done on uh, through our local credit union here. Um, but just hospitality lenders are like, we're doing a one-time closed loan on uh, with a hospitality broker uh, right now that's open to doing these like smaller cabin. I call them like micro resort communities. Um, so the financing's out there. You just, I just have to ask around and know the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And so how are you, how do you structure your deals? Are you, are conducting them on a deal by deal basis or yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, mainly uh, the joint venture. It, it, it all depends if, if, if I'm doing a JV, a lot of the times the investor is bringing up the capital and helping me guarantee the loan. Um, I'm sort of stepping away from that a little bit now that my balance, like my personal financial statement has sort of grown a little bit. Um, but 
when when I first my first five JVs were all done like that. They were the the investor was bringing up the capital, um, and then they were also helping me uh, guarantee the loan. And then they were um, they were essentially a silent partner. I I developed the whole project and I managed the we managed the project as well. We don't sell any of the cabins we develop. It's a it's a yeah. ten year hold. It's a ten year hold after at least a ten year hold after. Um, I would say eight to ten years, depending on we don't know what the market's going to look like in a decade. So, got it. Yeah. And are you focused on Asheville, North Carolina, or are you? I'm focused on Western North Carolina in general, just because there's so many beautiful like rental markets within an hour or two of the city um, that, that they're, they're their own markets in themselves. Like there's ski towns and then there's like different, like we're on the, we're on the edge of Tennessee um, and just, you can go into the Smoky Mountains really easily. You can go, um, you can go, you can go into any different, like there, there's so many different markets here that it's unique. So like, I'm just focused on Western North Carolina right now. That makes sense. And so if they're long-term investments, how, <clears throat> what is the duration of your guest stay? How are you marketing those units? You know, obviously, you mentioned there's been a lot of uh, legal issues, really municipality-based with the short-term rentals. Are these markets, they don't really have many laws regarding that. It's, it's, it's a lot more less densely populated area. And, yeah, and so- I would assume as some of like, you know, Miami cracking down on short-term rentals and other large cities. Yeah. So we, I mean, I've, I've always been a huge advocate of if it doesn't work in the city, just move over to the city over. Um, so like Asheville itself actually does not allow for short-term rentals. I mean, there's, there's, I think last time I checked, there was 2,600. So they're, they're all being operated illegally, but um, I mean, I would say that a lot of times the city doesn't have the manpower to push out stuff like that. Since I'm bringing out, since I'm taking on investor capital and long-term financing and putting my name on the loan, essentially, um, we invest in the county. So as close as we can get to the city without being in the city. And that strategy honestly helped us during COVID because a lot of people actually left the metro cities during COVID and went into a more rural area, especially if they were working from home or something. Um, so that that strategy really helped us during COVID. Um, we were already doing that prior to the lockdown, but I mean, we're, we're continuing to do that. Um, land tends to be a little bit cheaper the further out you get from the city. Um, usually if you're in like a mountain or scenic market where you're close to a national forest or a national park, people are already used to driving in the area. They're like Uber and Lyft isn't like massive in areas like this. Um, where they're used to driving like 15 to 20 minutes compared to being like five minutes from downtown. Cause there's so much to do in like a mountain market, whether it be hiking, waterfalls, all these different things, there's stuff always close by in a mountain market. Sure. Um, and when you're marketing your rentals, do you have a set duration for a minimum amount of stay, like minimum nights per stay, or does that depend upon a season? Yeah. Um, so different. Yeah, who sets those? So Do you have a I was actually, company? yeah, no, I was just talking about that with a different manager right before we got on this. Um, so I I don't do one night stays. I've never been a fan of one night stays. I think one night stays, no matter how small or big your property is, the bigger the property, the bigger it's going to invite parties, in my opinion. Um, so we don't do one night stays. Um, we do two night minimums uh, until all of our weekends are booked for the like say like the next four months. And then we do a three night minimum stay uh, for the weekdays. And what we've seen with doing the three night minimum stay is a lot of people who don't do any type of minimum night stay, um, your property can actually get buried, say, like on Airbnb and VRBO, um, because nobody, everyone who's looking at like a non-minimum stay, um, the, your, even if it's a one night stay, your, your property will just get buried. If you do a three night minimum stay and someone's trying to book for three nights, 
Airbnb will boost that uh, prop like property. Uh, when you asked like where we're marketing, we're mainly marketing on Airbnb VRBO. And then we try, we do like an email capture thing inside of the property where it's like a little device that plugs into the back of the router. The company is called Stayfy. Um, I've talked about them for the last like couple of years. Um, but we we were building out like a direct booking site outside of Airbnb to sort of push yeah. our guests towards because no matter what business you have, like you shouldn't be like it blows my mind that people only directly rely on Airbnb or VRBO to get bookings because like something could happen to your property. It's happened to me in the past where like Airbnb decides to shut down your property or something for a month or two. Say that. Um, yeah. some, something that's like completely out of your um, just out of your control. So. That happened to me a couple of years ago. And ever since then, we've been sort of slowly trying to transition away from Airbnb or VRBO. They'll always be a part of our business, but there has to be a different part where, you know, I mean, hotels already do it. Like you can either book directly through a hotel or do like booking.com or Expedia. It's the same thing here. Sure. And are the management fees you're paying out to your manager higher than traditional, you know, apartments, let's say traditional yeah, apartments? We, we, yeah. We self-manage like uh, so like we, we develop and then we self-manage um, and then the the management fees plugged into our pro forma so the investors can see it. Sure. Um, I try to leverage technology as much as I can when it comes to managing these properties. Um, and then outside of that, we have virtual assistants uh, that handle whatever messaging is left. Anything that needs boots on the ground, usually our cleaning company is at the property a minimum of one to two times a week. So we we I've gotten away with not having to have say like an operations manager boots on the ground um, because we already have a cleaning company that's going through there that's essentially inspecting the property at least once a week. Yeah, that's almost a vendor. And then in terms of any maintenance that comes up, do you have like I yeah like, a, par, a part time on call maintenance person that we have on retainer. Okay. Yep. Got it. And so they're not they're not on staff. We pay them like four hundred bucks a month just to be on retainer, and then we pay them hourly. Um, for anything that comes up, just a general maintenance person. Got it. Okay. So that's how you structure that. Um, so with your goal, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, around 700 homes, um, or, you know, lock cabins, that's, you mentioned different geographies to invest in. And obviously you have your, your you know, your target markets. Um, like how, what's your plan to get to that level in terms of yeah, what yeah, you have yeah. to acquire? You know, what does your team look like? Do you have, an, you know, enough deal? Yeah, flow? I mean, I, I try yeah. to I try to keep the team as lean as possible, man. Um, a lot. I mean, I, I re- I'm I'm licensed here in the North uh, state of North Carolina as a real estate agent, but I, I utilize other real estate agents. Um, acquisition is going to be huge to get to that 700 cabin goal. Um, and so it's going to be a combination of acquisition and development. So we're working on a couple of deals right now where. We're working on two separate deals where they're sort of like log cabin courts where it comes with six to 12 cabins, but there's extra room for development where there's maybe 10, like one deal we're looking at, there's 12 acres attached to the property that's undeveloped, but it's it's developable. Um, so that's doing these like micro resort communities of anywhere between six to 24 cabins um, is, is the strategy we're using going forward. And then outside of Western North Carolina, I am focused on other markets. Like I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, Michigan, Northern Michigan has a lot of beautiful land and properties and cities that people like to vacation to a little bit more seasonal than what I'm used to in that market. Um, But that that's how I intend on getting to that goal is like, and on the, the new construction ground up development stuff, because I'm still focused on that. Um, when it comes to these larger deals is like finding a parcel that can support 20 to 30 cabins, 20 to 40 cabins. That one's a little bit more difficult, 
than doing like taking over an already existing property and then developing more on it because there's a built-in cash flow there compared to starting from scratch. Sure. And at what point in time, you know, from acquiring the land to developing the building to renting them, how long does that process usually take? Like when are you cash flow positive and you're returning? You're making distributions to you and your investors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just with any development, I mean, obviously that that process takes longer, right? You're not you're not plugged into immediate cash flow, um, especially right now with like every like delays and everything. I mean, that's happening across a- any real estate market. Um, I would say sixteen to eighteen months is is sort of the goal if we do a ground up development project. If like starting from raw land all the way up with permitting, with closing on the land, with due diligence developing and then stabilizing i mean it only takes about three to five months to stabilize the property um like with with the way we market it um so like that's why especially if we're taking on like new investors that don't really know our company too much um i like to plug those investors into a property that's already cash flowing that we can develop more down the road Um, and that's tied into our financing as well Um, we don't we don't take over the project and then ask for more financing we try to tie that all that all up front Mm -hmm. One capital call. And yeah. so when you are, okay, so when you're done with the project, you know, you, you're implementing your marketing strategy, some proprietary, some, you kind of have like a hybrid model that you're, you're working on with that. Um, you know, what type of return metrics are you representing to you and your investors? And, you know, how is that different from, I'm sure you see another um, apartment, whether that's a syndication or just a regular apartment deal, a private deal. Um, and you're especially, you know, especially if you're holding for 10 plus years, what are your return? Are you focused on cash on cash return? Um, what do you do once the credit union loan is due? Are they short-term financing? Yeah, they're, they're, they're five, they're five year. So, so okay. normal. Yeah. And is that a floating rate or is that fixed rate? It's fixed. Okay. So that's good. I'm going to say if you have, yeah, to, that's, you know, that's good. That's very good. Especially, Especially it's right uh, it's floating it's floating during the construction period and then it's Correct. fixed after that. Okay, yeah. so it's sort of resets. Okay, um, so in terms of your return criteria, what are you looking at over a ten years? Yeah, period? so on, on top of the capital, annual? yeah, on top of the capital I raise, um, I, I do. I'm I'm essentially a deal finder for two or three short term rental funds. I mean, we all work with each other because there aren't too many of those right now. Um, their, their metrics, what they like to see. And I mean, it's sort of what I've adopted is anywhere between a 15 to 16% cash on cash, depending on how long the whole period is. And that's an annual cash on cash. So that's pretty high. Um, but mm-hmm. that, that's, that come, I mean, it is a little bit of a riskier asset because I mean, you're doing new development. So, um, the, the upside is higher, but obviously the risk is higher as well. So 15 to 16% cash on cash annualized is what they like to see. Um, if you're doing it yourself, um, which we can talk about a, a briefly, it, the, the returns there are insane. I mean, like if you're if you're looking to go on and develop a couple properties yourself, bring on a GC yourself, and then maybe throw it off to a manager. Maybe you don't take off the management yourself. I mean, with me managing my very very first property we built like four or five years ago, um, I mean the returns on that was like a hundred percent cash on cash, like annualized. It was ridiculous um compare i mean that was prior to covid and everything but that 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 one single property does better than some of like our seven eight hundred thousand dollar cabins which is crazy and that's a great case study to you know move on to yeah i was i always thought about that one because that that one was the one that we that was obviously the first one but it was the one that we it was a, a small little property with like 
almost no money out of pocket that that we built that and we just created an insane amount of i mean i'll never sell that property that one so 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 your model is really you know you're not it's it's more development and you know you're after you stabilize the property you're not refinancing or selling you're just you're just cash flowing the crap out of it and getting your equity return from the cash flow and then holding it long term yeah I'll do I'll do a cash out refinance if like on the personal side if I like because I have properties that I don't have partners in um, I'll do a cash out refinance to pull money out to do more of my own deals if I want sure. to um, depending on like if my wife are comfortable with doing that um, but yeah I mean it's 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 been a fun ride especially because like just rolling over the cash flow I mean I I take a, a very small amount for like just to pay my bills and stuff but I've been rolling over all that money into future deals and stuff. And it, it's been a fun ride the last five years. That's awesome. So Alex, uh, as we wind down the show, uh, what's the best way I've mentioned, you know, your YouTube channel, Alex builds, um, you have a website for Sargon as well, or email address. Yeah, we, we have Sargon investments. I like to push people to my personal site because that has everything I'm working on currently, YouTube channel, past podcasts, the Sargon investment site. And then also I just put together a course. So my personal site is just alexjarbo.com and I'm sure it'll be in the show notes or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's where people can find me, Alex, alexjarbo.com. I'm a writer for Bigger Pockets as well. So if anyone wants to read short-term rental articles or anything on that topic, I mean, that's available for free. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. Well, that would be posted to our show notes. So we'll have that in the podcast description and as well as on our social media too directing to the YouTube, the podcast, the blog posts, and, um, you know, your personal website. So if anyone wants to reach out, learn more about what Alex is doing, feel free to check that out. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps Alex and I push our message up in the iTunes algorithm, just like he does with the Airbnb uh, algorithm too, the three night minimum. So I I didn't realize that myself that helps. So um, really appreciate you know, you coming on the show today and look forward to staying in touch. I appreciate you having me on, man.